Hey everybody, Eric Greeny here, and welcome to the 46th episode of the RIT Podcast. We're just a few days out from Election Day in Ontario, and the polls haven't moved around much, but there's still lots of storylines to watch on Thursday night. So to break it all down, I'm joined today by Philip J. Fournier of 338 Canada. You know him well. How are you doing, Philip? It's great to speak with you, Eric. Uh, bonjour. Uh, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Toronto, which is uh, different. I haven't uh, traveled for the last two and a half years. So this is my first excursion outside of outside of uh, the province So uh, or outside of the, my home, I should say. But uh, apart from that, you know, it's uh, it's fun to be in the last days of an election, though I can't say that this election itself has been all that much fun. Uh, yeah, not very compelling. I mean, it's, it's rare that an election ends roughly the same way that it began when we talk about voting intentions and polling. I think this election, not that, it, I mean, we'll see whether the turnout is up. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, later today, but it hasn't been very compelling with the return of, uh, you know, the spring and the sunny patios. I, I'm guessing that not many voters in Ontario are uh, that motivated for this election, but Let's try to make it fun, nevertheless. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, we'll we'll go over the map, and then I think we'll set the stakes for each of the parties. Uh, now, of course, uh, three three Canada, you have projections. I have the the poll tracker that I'm running for this campaign for the CBC, and I think we generally are on the same page. Uh, my latest numbers, which were as of Tuesday morning, um, had about thirty eight percent for the PCs, twenty seven for the Liberals, twenty three for the NDP, seven for the Greens. And that produced 81 seats for the PCs, 22 for the Liberals, 20 for the NDP, and one for the Greens. Uh, you have something similar, I think. Uh, as of this morning, uh, of course, I will, uh, I will update it tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, I had the 78 for the PCs, so well within range of your numbers. I had the NDP at 25 and the Liberals at 20. But the, I mean, as you know, the Liberal bracket, the Liberal uh, confidence intervals is extremely wide because there's a lot of uncertainty. The Liberals are actually competitive in far many, uh, far more writings than the NDP, but they're not necessarily projected to win them. So, um, so we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But uh, also, I have the Greens at one, um, perhaps two. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I see that we have similar numbers. So either we're both roughly correct, or we are <laughs> both very wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's always a possibility. Yeah, the Liberal numbers are interesting because you're right. I have. Only a two-seat gap right now between the two parties, but the high range for the Liberals for me goes up to 34, and for the NDP, it only goes up to 27. Uh, so there's a bigger gap that way. You can imagine a worse... It's almost like you could guess what the NDP is going to get with a lot more confidence than the Liberals. The Liberals could have a pretty good night. They end up second, maybe near 30 seats, or they have a pretty bad night, and they're back in the teens, and they're in third place again. Absolutely agree. And it's very interesting to see. I mean, I, you may have seen on Twitter, I, I published my curves votes per uh, seat. So basically the efficiency of each party's vote. And the NDP has a very efficient vote at 20 to 25%. Uh, but from 25 to 30%, should it get there, it's highly inefficient because they just have their strongholds. Uh, as whereas the Liberals, they are competitive in many 905 ridings, but so is the PC. And so a two-point difference or a two or three-point difference between what the uh, Liberals could get uh, and what they're having in the polls right now is a huge difference. Uh, and so, I mean, it makes those projections fun, uh, but also, I mean, it, if the Liberals win 35 seats or if they win 18, no uh, scenario in there would surprise me, really. Yeah. And when you talk about the NDP's vote efficiency, I remember in 2018, there was a time when the NDP was narrowly ahead of the PCs in the polling average. And I think at the time I was still projecting a 30 seat gap between the two, oh, yeah. or at least a 20 seat gap with the PCs winning. I remember being very nervous about that because you never yeah. want to go into an election night as someone who's forecasting elections with one party leading in the vote and nowhere close to winning the seat. So I don't think we're anywhere close to that, but you're right. The NDP's vote efficiency is probably what's going to save them, ironically, a little bit because the NDP, um, you know, has often complained about the difference between the vote share and the seat share for each of the parties. But how about we start going across the province? Uh, why don't we go from, we'll go from East to West. Uh, so we'll start with Eastern okay. Ontario. Um, you know, I find- I just pulled my numbers here because I don't know them by heart. 
Uh, and sorry for people who see my big hand. Unfortunately, my laptop has a camera below the screen, which is so stupid. But uh, hang on here. Yeah, I'm full of the numbers. But uh, okay. Well, then so if you're just listening to this on the podcast, then you're getting the advantage. <laughs> here. So you're not seeing this, the hand that's coming for, the, for my face. Um, right. Okay. So Eastern Ontario. Uh, you know, the PCs have been holding a lead in the east uh, part of the province for um, really the whole campaign. Uh, but it, 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 it really masks the fact that the PCs get a lot of support in the rural ridings and the Liberals and the NDP much more competitive in Ottawa where, the, where um, you know, a lot of the seats are. Uh, what, do, what are your expectations for Eastern Ontario? Well, the, the, uh, not many uh, compelling seats. I mean, of course, I mean, there's two that I will really watch. I think, of course, Glengarry Prescott Fassel. Uh, will uh, Amanda Smart uh, switch parties, as many of you know? Uh, will she win her bet and be elected as a Liberals? I, I, I have a feeling that she will, but again, this, the PC brand is always strong in those rural areas. Uh, we'll see if the, the, the Francophones, I think this uh, writing is a majority of Francophones. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they will follow her with the, in the Liberal fold. And also in Kingston, Kingston and the Islands was won by the NDP. I have it a very close race between the NDP and the Liberals and the PC, you know, do reasonably well, although they shouldn't win it. Those are the two seats that I will watch. But uh, yeah, again, Ottawa should be mostly red, except maybe for Ottawa Centre, which is your writing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, but the rest should be blue. Um, I, I don't expect many surprises. Maybe Ottawa West NPN, you saw that uh, Doug Ford was uh, there, I think, the day before yesterday. Uh, perhaps they see an opportunity to, uh, to uh, keep that seat, but uh, not many compelling seats in this area. What do you think? Yeah, because Ottawa West NPN, the PCs won with 32.8%. It was the lowest right. vote share for a winning party. Um, and you see the polls that the PCs are leading, but they're uh, further back than they were back in 2018. So you almost expect um, that they're going to come down a little bit. So it doesn't take much for either the NDP or the Liberals, probably the Liberals. The NDP didn't even win this seat back in 1990 when Bob Ray came. Um, so I would expect that the Liberals <laughs> take that. Ottawa Centre is the one that I'm kind of interested in. Yes, it's where uh, I live, but... Um, you know, it is an NDP uh, riding that's held right now by Joel Hardin. Uh, it used to be liberal. It just voted liberal last year or yeah, last year in the federal election. Um, but will he be able to hold on? Um, I think I think he he has gotten a little bit of uh, kudos for some of the things he did during the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa and that kind of thing. So he might be able to hold on. Um, Kingston, I think, is going to be tough for the NDP to hold. Their incumbent's not there. And, yeah. um, you know, they have a former yeah. liberal MP who's running. And then Glengarry Prescott Russell, which is riding where I grew up in. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting that. I would think that Amanda Smart is going to hold it. It was actually kind of surprising that the PCs were able to take it last time. Um, you know, there was that poll from Hazu uh, Canada with the Francophone support. I'm not sure what to make of it that much. It seems, uh, it seems a little unlikely to me that the Liberals and the PCs would be tied among Francophones in Ontario. But I guess this will be the case because, yeah, as you mentioned, Glengarry Prescott Russell is the only majority francophone riding outside of Quebec and New Brunswick in the country. So um, it's sort of the, the Franco-Ontarian you know, heartland, I guess you could say. <laughs> so That um, Franco-Ontarian poll was strange, huh? It was the Liberals and the PC neck and neck, but uh, Doug Ford way ahead in preferred premier. Um, yeah. yeah. It, it feels it like was, name recognition. I, it was a head-scratcher. Yeah. Because I imagine like, you know, if you're a Francophone watching uh, Francophone news in Ontario, you'll see Doug Ford every night. Um, yeah. Stephen Del Duca, probably not seeing that often. And he doesn't speak French like any of the leaders. So uh, there's a name recognition problem there. But uh, well, Glengarry will be a bit of a test case, I think, in terms of, you know, Francophone support. Um, so moving, I said West. I don't know what's next to go West. Let's just go then to Toronto, I suppose. Um so, you know, Toronto is a place where I think the Liberals are hoping to make a lot of pickups. The NDP really wants to hold on to the downtown core that they won last time. PCs, you know, have seats in Etobicoke and York and Scarborough. They want to hold on to those. It's a weird, uh, it's, it's one of those cases that's yeah. really different, right? Because the federal level, the NDP still hasn't won a seat in Toronto for the last few elections. Um, but in this case, you know, they're probably going to hold right. on to a lot of those. Um, but uh, what are you expecting in Toronto? What are you focusing on? 
Well, here's the thing. I think I tweeted this for a while ago. I took uh, the Ipsos, Leger, English Street Institute. All these polls show that the NDP was in third place in Toronto. And of course, the regional subsamples are smaller, so there's higher uncertainty. But if memory is, memory is correct, the NDP did win Toronto in a popular vote. I think they had 37%-ish yeah. area, and now they would be third with around 25%. Uh, so that is still a big swing. So they should hold on to their safest seats, but there's no way with those numbers that it would hold on to all the seats. And uh, of course, the liberal the liberal brand, as you said, very popular in the 416. Uh, yeah, so I have the DPCs leading uh, near, uh, as you said, in the Scarboroughs and the, well, Mississauga is not Toronto, of course. Uh, the Liberals should make a few pickups, but there will be some very close races in that. I have a lot of, uh, of toss-ups in Toronto. One, two, three, four, five. I think I have six toss-ups just in Toronto. Um, and uh, so, so that should be interesting. But if the NDP uh, does not hold on to most of their seat, it seats in Toronto, yeah, it's going to be very hard to finish second. Uh, that's because the NDP should be almost shut out of the 905. We don't expect, I mean, maybe a Brenton, uh, but aside from that, uh, you know, so the NDP, if they want to keep official opposition, they have to do well in the 416. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I have the gap between the Liberals is between five and 11 seats, right? So in one case, they do quite well, winning almost half the seats in Toronto. And the other one is not very good. Uh, and a lot of that will depend on what happens to the NDP and the PCs. Um, there's a couple storylines that will be uh, interesting to watch in Toronto itself. The one that I've been kind of keyed in on is the riding in uh, York Southwestern. That's where right. the NDP won that last time. Uh, Michael Ford, who is the nephew of Doug Ford, is running for the PCs there. Um, it's it's kind of a funny thing with the the Ford family dynasty going to be able to continue or not. Uh, you know, York Southwestern is right next to uh, Etobicoke North and Etobicoke center and those ridings that are Ford nation. Um, so we'll see if that happens, but yeah, I think there's going to be, uh, it's almost like a knife fight in some of these Toronto ridings oh, where yeah. it's the NDP and the liberals, and it's not going to make a difference for government. Uh, you know, Toronto, St. Paul's, uh, Toronto center, uh, those kinds of ridings, but there's going to be a lot of hurt feelings after the election among liberals and new Democrats, uh, based on who's going to come out ahead there. There's, uh, yeah, there's the animosity between those two parties has uh, not gone down during this campaign, that's for sure. I'm just looking at the York Southwest, and I have a six-point gap between first and third place in my projection. So, I mean, I have the PCs uh, projected as leading, but, I mean, who knows? This, you know, the PC would still have to get their vote out uh, to win that, that riding because it's going to be a, a very close race, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one I want to ask you. I, I, I mean, I do not have the Greens doing well in Toronto. Uh, the polls, they, they, don't, they don't show anything that indicates that the Greens should improve in Toronto. But I can't tell you how many times on Facebook, on Twitter, even on Reddit, people ask me what they think uh, the Greens' chances in uh, University Rosedale. Um, do you have a thought on that? Yeah, I, I don't think they have much of a chance. Uh, sorry to Green leader uh, listeners. Uh, I mean, it's downtown Toronto. Those ridings have never really voted very green. You know, there was the one by-election where Annamie Paul did well uh, for when she um, mm -hmm. was the new leader. But in the last election, she got, I think, about 7% of the vote. Yeah. And yeah. that and her riding is right next to University Rosedale. So, you know, Diane Sachs is the uh, environment commissioner who used to be the environment commissioner running for the Greens, getting a lot of attention from Mike Schreiner. But, you know, can she triple, not tri triple, I think she needs to, uh, she had, I think the party had around 5% support there around last mm -hmm. time. So to right. win, you got to jump up to what, 35? At least. That's tough. I mean, maybe she'll finish third, but. Yeah, you've seen uh, the NDP and the Liberals basically attacking each other a lot uh, for splitting the vote. At some point, I think, they will have to look towards the Greens. If the Greens really get seven or eight percent of the vote, uh, you know, these parties will have to talk to each other at some point because the Greens at seven with one seat, maybe two, maybe two. Uh, that's that's a big vote splitting right there. And again, I, I, among the comments that I have for this podcast, I tweeted, uh, you know, send me your ideas. 
uh, I, I'd say half of them talk about proportional representation. Uh, that that uh, whole story. I uh, I'm not against. By the way, I'm not against proportional representation. I'm I'm Switzerland here, uh, but I can see looking at these numbers that whew, the vote splitting will really benefit the PC in many places. Yeah, and maybe for the Greens, it's it's no one wants to attack him because Mike Schreiner is seems to be having a pretty good campaign and yeah. no one likes it when you're punching down. So if you have the NDP or the liberals punching down at the greens, that's not a terrific look, uh, especially true. when they want a lot of those green voters to change their mind right at the last minute and, and, and go for the NDP or go for the liberals. Right. So it's, it's a tricky place for them, but you know, with the PCs though, at like 38%, 37, 39, uh, that's majority territory. It is. Even it is. if, you know, the NDP or the, the, the liberals were north of 30, right? Um, so the NDP was at 30, just under 34% in 2018, yeah. right? And they won 40 votes. So, you know, with 23%, they will only keep the safest. There's, it's, it's, yeah, there's vote splitting. That's what, that's one thing, but also you don't have enough votes, <laughs> 23%. So it's, um, Sad state of affairs for them, but uh, you know I don't think Andrea, uh, Andrea Horvath had a really compelling campaign. I mean, neither did Delico. Nobody did. So if nobody has a good campaign, well, the incumbent is usually the winner. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, you look at those those three campaigns. You can't really say one was much better than the other. So there's no real reason for anything to shift around. Um, speaking of shifting around, the Greater Toronto area swing area goes between the Liberals and the PCs over the last couple of elections. Decides. Uh, who gets to form the government. My numbers have right now, um, you know, the PC is about a 10 points ahead of the Liberals. But yeah, the NDP down in the teens. And we've seen this in poll after poll, right? It's not just some, you know, rogue poll or anything like that, that the NDP is not really competitive. And in the GTA, that means seats that they won in Brampton, they won three of the five. They'll be lucky, I think, to hold one. Um, Oshawa is one in the GTA that could be at risk uh, for them. And, you know, while the Liberals might be able to pick up some seats in Mississauga, uh, you know, the area around Oakville, uh, the PCs might be able to make it up by winning a couple of those Brantons, a couple of those other ones, like in Oshawa and places like that. In Oshawa, well, Oshawa was also a close race and I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I feel it was like a three point win. And so it's really difficult to see. Uh, a party going from 33% or 34% provincially to 23% and still keep that seat. I mean, local effects, of course, can have a tremendous, uh, tremendous effect on, on the final numbers. But yeah, I, I have Oshawa leading towards the PC. Uh, the Brentons, they won three, as you said. I have them competitive in one, which is Brenton East. I think there was a best score. Uh, aside from this, I see the Liberals uh, perhaps more competitive, as you said, in the Mississaugas. Uh, but it, I mean, those Trudeau Ford voters, huh? Because mm-hmm. the 905, you saw in the last federal election, uh, most of those seats went red and some by reasonable margins. Um, so, yes, those uh, you have to win the suburbs to win an election. It's true in Quebec, it's true in Ontario, it's true at the federal level. Uh, and uh, I, there's no reason to see. Uh, Many losses for the PC in the 905, according to the numbers that we had. Uh, the, uh, the, the, the NDP is down. The Liberals are up a little bit, but not enough to, I think, to crack that foundation of the PC. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it puts them in com- uh, com- uh, competition for a couple of those Mississauga seats. Because if you think back to 2018, the NDP vote shot up in Brampton. It shot up in Mississauga, but from such a low base that it didn't really right. put them in, into contention. And then in the ridings north of Toronto in the York region, um, that is pretty friendly PC territory. Uh, that's where some of the federal conservatives are able to win in the GTA, the few areas. So uh, that'll be hard for the liberals to break into. Sorry. And you mentioned Brampton East. That's uh, Gurtan Singh, who's the brother yeah. of Jagmeet Singh. And that was Jagmeet Singh's old riding. So um, that is the one place in sort of that Peel region where the NDP has a long history because Singh won his seat the first time in 2011. So this is before the the big wave in, you know, in 2015 federally or 2018. So, um, but yeah, I I think it will be, it it will be a tough for the NDP if they end up going from three seats in Brampton to maybe one, that's going to be disappointing for them. There's Ajax that I wonder what will happen. Uh, I have it. uh, I think you do too. 
uh, as a close uh, liberal PC race with, you know, you always give a little uh, nudge to the incumbent, uh, but there's no incumbent. Mr. Phillips left, of course. And there was this Main Street poll published yesterday that gave uh, the liberals a 10 point lead. It was a small sample. I think it was 350 cases. So it was a small sample, but still, uh, that was surprising. Uh, so I have it as a toss up liberal PC. If the liberals lose Ajax and lose those Mississauga seats, they will finish third in the seat count for sure. Yeah. And you mentioned the Trudeau Ford voters. I know it sounds like something the uh, press gallery might make up, but there are polls that show, Oh yeah, I think it was 20% support among people who yeah. voted for the federal liberals who say they're going to vote for the PCs this time. So they definitely exist. Um, and you mentioned the riding polls. I haven't paid as much attention to them because um, yeah, I, I find they pop up and I don't, I, I've been missing them a bit more. <laughs> um, if you've been keeping a close eye on them, have they, have they, uh, and I might be putting you on the spot, but have they, go ahead, go ahead. Have they aligned with what we're expecting or do they suggest something that's different from what we're expecting? I would, I would say mostly, I mean, of course the main street, um, main street, I mean, they had some misses in the past with writing polls, but at the federal level, they were really good. Most of them were really good. We're really close. Um, it's just that again, do you capture enough with 350 cases in a poll? Perhaps not. Um, yeah, so I followed the Main Street uh, writing polls, and I don't remember seeing huge uh, surprises. Uh, there was one, though. Yes, there was one in Hamilton. We're going to get there. But mm-hmm. uh, uh, Paul Miller's old writing, which is Hamilton's Stony Creek, I believe. Yeah, Hamilton East. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it had the NDP in third. Uh, mm. And this... You know, I, I'm not saying the poll is wrong, but this is a very, there was a, a eyebrow riser, I would say. Uh, it surprised me because, uh, it, you know, this, it's, it's a huge majority that they had in 2018 in, uh, in Stony Creek. So I would be very surprised if the NDP finished third. But again, Paul Miller was at 10% running as an independent. And if he did, does get 10%, it's much harder for the NDP to win that riding. But otherwise, uh, those riding polls were not very surprising. Uh, Ajax, I mean, the way that Rod Phillips left uh, caucus, uh, perhaps, you know, he gives a little nudge to the liberals. Um, but I've been following and it's been very interesting. No big surprises, I would say, overall. Well, you mentioned uh, Hamilton East Stony Creek, so we'll go to the Hamilton Niagara area. There's not that many seats, but um, I'm curious what's going to happen here because for a good chunk of the campaign, we were seeing polls in the Hamilton Niagara region. There's a couple of pollsters that do break it down for that specific region, like Leger and Main Street, and suggesting that the NDP was doing pretty good. Now, the last set of uh, Main Street polls I've seen have not had them doing as well. So I'm wondering if it's just a, you know, a sampling thing. It'll work its way out in the next couple of days. Or if the NDP has reason to worry about some of their seats, they, you know, the ones they have around Niagara Falls, uh, St. Catharines, uh, Hamilton, I can imagine very little changing, but I can also imagine that it could have be a place for the PCs to pick up and maybe even the liberals can sneak one in. I would check, uh, of course, as we said, Stony Creek, uh, also Hamilton West and Caster, uh, and uh, St. Catharines uh, and uh, Niagara Center, all these seats were won by the NDP in 2018. And I would say all of them are in danger. I mean, they could still remain NDP, but the margin is going to be much closer. And uh, Ford has been going after that region. He's been there many times during the campaign, as you saw. And so I thought it was interesting because Ford could have very well played defense all that election and still win. But he did go to those regions many times. And he also went to Windsor. So um, so perhaps he sees blood in the water, he smells blood in the water and sees that uh, the NDP is a bit weaker among uh, blue collar workers. Uh, he's had uh, the support of many unions, uh, as you know. Uh, so yes, those seats are definitely in play and uh, the NDP better get a, a strong get out the vote machine in those regions, otherwise they would lose those, uh, those seats. Yeah, I can imagine the, uh, the PCs targeting the NDP more. Well, I mean, there's very few liberal seats to pick up, but right. uh, it, it does feel like maybe they're seeing more of an opportunity there. Um, one place that's mostly an NDP PC fight would be the Southwest. So everything from Kitchener down to Windsor. Um, this has been another place where the PCs have been leading in the polls for a long time. They have a lot of the rural riding, so it's not, you know, it's hard to parse it out because the NDP holds the seats in Windsor, in London, in Kitchener, Waterloo. Um but 
the, I think, you know, London's probably going to stick the way it is. Essex in, uh, in the Southwest could be one that the PCs could pick up. Yeah. But it, it seems like most of the fights, most of the interest on election night will be around Kitchener, Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge area. Absolutely. I have Essex going to the, uh, the PC. Uh, it was a close race that the NDP won last time. Considering the swing that we saw provincially and regionally, uh, I, I have the PC favored in Essex. And aside from that, you're right, we have to go back to Kitchener. But you saw in the, 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 the Liberal candidate posted her own poll that showed us she was leading in Kitchener. So uh, always be careful, folks, when you see candidates releasing their own polls uh, with no methodology, no polling firms. It's, it's, it's a cheap trick. I, I hope voters don't fall for it. And I say that, I don't say that because she's a liberal. Uh, we saw that in the last Quebec election, all these PQ and CAQ voters just releasing their own polls. Don't, please don't do that. Don't do that. You're subverting democracy. You're subverting the polling industry. But, but yeah, uh, so, so yeah, the, 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 again, the, the NDP here should definitely play defense. Uh, they have to hold on to those seats. I do not think that they have hopes for a greater seat count in southwestern Ontario. So if they want to remain the official opposition in the last two days of this campaign, they really should play defense in Kitchener, uh, London, and Windsor. Yeah. Uh, the interest around Kitchener-Waterloo for me will be these third parties. Um, because yeah. the PPC did pretty well in Kitchener-Waterloo. They got usually 7 8%. And these are always very tight writings, right? So even if all yeah. those votes aren't conservative or PC votes, enough of them are that they could cause some problems. So you have the leader of the New Blues running in Kitchener-Conestoga. You have the only incumbent New Blue MPP, Belinda Karahelios. It's a family affair. Um, you know, she was elected as a PC in Cambridge. Now she's running as a New Blue. Um, I don't think they'll win. I don't think they'll get any close to, anywhere close to winning. But if they do get 10% of the vote yeah. or anything close to that, then the PCs, who only won these by narrow margins last time, could be in danger. But I don't know who wins them. Is it the NDP? Is it the Liberals? The Liberals have a bit of a history there. The NDP had the better result in 2018, but the polls aren't really giving a lot of clarity about no. what's going to happen. This is definitely a region. Uh, I think there's like five seats, one, two, three, four. Yeah, there's like four or five seats here that are definitely watch i have uh, three of them as toss-ups and two of them leading pc so uh again this will be a matter of machine i mean the new blue party has been polling between two and at most i think i saw one with five percent uh it doesn't tell us much about that region obviously um but you have to remember also that maxim bernier's first election was pretty bad 1.6 federally uh it takes a few cycles to get your organization. And of course, in Ontario, the ridings are large. There's like 100,000 voters per riding. So you need a lot of votes to get there. Will they, I'm not sure they get double digits in those, uh, in those ridings. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but uh, it takes time and organization to, uh, to really get people to know you. Uh, lawn signs are not really usually a, a very good indicator. <laughs> Uh, there was a poll that was just put out, I think, recently by Innovative Research Group. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it was um, profiling the new blue voter. And they pretty much were like a PPC or they were, they were the ones who were most upset about uh, pandemic restrictions and vaccination mandates and that kind of thing. So, you know, we are kind of expecting that. Yeah, for me, that's the benchmark. You know, the PPC did well in Niagara, Kitchener, Windsor. Uh, areas. So that's what I'm expecting them to do well in. Um, but we'll see if they match it. I, I do wonder if they're not getting nearly as much media as Bernier did in the last campaign, right? So yeah. I feel like I feel like it'll be tough for them to match uh, match uh, Max and Bernier's numbers. We should talk about uh, Paris San Muskoka. All right, that's place. a good the, the Georgian Bay. Georgian Bay. That's that's a good uh, good segue into Northern Ontario. Paris San Muskoka is the southernmost. Uh, I, I was speaking to a, a, someone from Northern Ontario who said, Perry Sound is very clearly in Northern Ontario. Muskoka is not. So, <laughs> so it straddles the line. But anyway, so Perry Sound Muskoka is, is treated in Northern Ontario. Um, yeah, that is to me the one I'm most curious to see what's going to happen because uh, the Greens had 20% last time. Uh, Matt Richter has run there since 2007. So he's been there again and again and again, and he's done pretty good. The Greens do well in Georgian Bay uh, for some reason, like that Bruce Peninsula all the way up to Perry Sound, uh, Barry, they do okay in. Um, there was that Main Street poll. People have mentioned another poll where the PCs were ahead, but I haven't seen that one. I don't know which one I, that's referencing. I, I, I think it was an internal poll because I've, I've uh, went through the internet. I didn't see it. Okay. Um, yeah. 
But then again, I mean, the fact that there's no liberal candidate really helps the Greens. But still, the liberals were not a factor in this uh, in this uh, writing. I, I see the numbers. They had 9% in the last election. So you would hope that the, all those 9% would all go to the Greens and not stay home because they, they're pouting because they don't have the liberal candidate. Uh, and, and they even still need that, more. Yeah. And they still need more. They still need to, to win over some NDP votes. Uh, NDP had 22% last election. So again, that... Aristotle Muscoca, the, the conservatives had 48%. So it, you really need to pull everybody in there who's not a conservative on your fold. Uh, I'm wondering whether some moderate conservatives could be, you know what, Doug Ford is going to win anyway, perhaps just you know, throw a bone to the Greens. Uh, and we could have a second Green MP, but uh, MPP, I'm sorry. But I, I don't see that dynamic being played out. It's going to be close. It should be close. The polling sh- says it should be close, but... I don't know about you, but you still have to give the edge to the, uh, the, to the, the PCs in there, right? I think so. Um, I, I won't underestimate the Greens' ability to concentrate resources and win a single riding. They've, you know, they've shown that they've done that in a couple provinces now, uh, provincially and federally. But yeah, uh, the Muskoka part of the riding has been PC since '95, and the Perry Sound portion has been PC since 1948. So um, this like for the Greens to win a second seat is big news for that. For the PCs to lose Perry Sound Muskoka would be a huge upset in an election where they're doing okay. You know, it's not like they're going to lose a lot of seats. So um, yeah, I'd probably give the PCs the edge, but you know what? I don't know if I'd give it more than 55, 45 chance. Hmm. I'm not sure if you have, I know you do uh, have a probability for the riding. I'm not going to. Let me tell you, let me tell you what I have right now. The, uh, of course, it's very interesting to see you scrolling. Uh, 58, 42. All right. Well, there, I you right now. there you My go. My back of the napkin was it's pretty a, close. <laughs> it's also the fact that it's a massive riding. It's really huge. Not many roads. And so if you, if you want to have some foot soldiers in there for the greens to convince people to, to get your road out and to help you out, it, it takes a lot more resources than go through Guelph or go through uh, University of Rosedale. Uh, you can't just walk around. It's a huge place, but yeah, a place I would love to visit. I, my friends, as many friends went there, the Georgian Bay, I have never, have never been and I want to go soon. I hear it's beautiful. Yeah, no, I actually haven't been either. So there we go. We should take a trip. Uh, there you okay. go, man. After the election. Uh, so for the rest of Northern Ontario, there's, uh, you know, um, 12 other ridings uh, up there. Um, I, there's actually quite a few that are kind of interesting to me. There's Timmins where the NDP has held it since 1990, but the mayor is running for the PCs and, uh, the NDP numbers have been all over the place in Northern Ontario for a while. It looked like the NDP was getting back its support, but again, the last round of main street polls, which is all we have for the last week or so, which is a little frustrating, um, has had the NDP tanking again. Is it just a weird, they had one or two bad days of polling that came in and, and it's taking a while to work it out um, because the, the poll seems to be a weekly riding, uh, rolling poll. Um, I know at, at the beginning, it seemed like it was a three-day one, but now I think it's a seven-day one. So Actually, I, I spoke to Kido Maggi, the CEO of Main Street, and he says it's mostly a three-day rolling except for the North because they can't get enough respondents. Uh, it's really hard to, to reach people over there uh, with their methods. And so they extended it to a seven-day, but the, the extended is just for the north. Okay, well, there you go. So that's and, that's if you had like two bad days in the north, uh, it'll take a week yeah. to run it out of the poll. So absolutely. Um, so if but if they are dropping, then that means Timmins they could lose to the PCs, Thunder Bay, Atacokan they could lose to the Liberals. Um, you know, the NDP does well in Northern Ontario, and they're kind of counting on it. If again, like it goes back to what we said earlier, if they start losing seats in Toronto, if they lose seats in Northern Ontario. Uh, if Hamilton, they, Niagara, they can't count on, then it's hard to win that second spot. Uh, oh, so it's it's almost about whether the polls are capturing something or if that incumbent advantage for the NDP is going to save them on the on election night. I have uh, Mushke Gowuk, James Bay uh, as a close race, but the NDP had, had one with such a large man, margin. Uh, it would They would need to really go in the tank to lose this one. But then again, we, we have to go with the numbers we have, not the numbers we wish we had. Uh, and... Uh, Right now, the NDP is doing poorly in Ontario, Ontario. But again, those people are hard to reach. It's not necessarily posters' fault. It's it's hard to get there. I have the, the Liberals winning the second uh, third Thunder Bay uh, at Itokan. Um, it could, should be a close race, but uh, you know there's 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 a liberal, liberal history also in that, that area. Yeah, and also Northern Ontario. Uh, 
I, you know, I'd say by far the region where what's who's on the ballot is going to mean more than anywhere else. Right. Uh, Thunder Bay Superior North, Michael Gravel has had been the MPP since the nineties. He's not running again. So that does potentially open it up for the liberals to lose it. But um, based on the numbers we're seeing, the liberal numbers are up a bit in Northern Ontario and the NDP ones seem to be down quite a bit. So it suggests that Thunder Bay would go over to the liberals. But uh, again, we're, we're dealing with some small samples uh, in Northern Ontario. That's true. You have to be careful. Absolutely. Okay. So we've gone across the province. We'll finish off with uh, just sort of a stakes for each of the party, sort of, you know, what's a, what's a success, what's a failure for them. We'll start at the bottom with the Greens. Um, if they don't win the second seat, is this a bad election for them? Well, they're playing the long game. The, the fact that they could have a second seat would be, of course, it would be double what they have. But I'm think, I mean, they make, uh, they remind me of Quebec Solidaire 10 years ago in Quebec. For those who don't know, Quebec Solidaire uh, won zero, then one, then two, then three, then 10 seats. And so when you play the long game, you know, the, the, the Greens had, I think it was 4.5 or 4.6% of the vote. They should get above this. Uh, some polls had them as high as 8%. So if they win only one seat, but get to 8%, at least they have them something to build on. If they do get that second seat, the problem, of course, is next time around in Paris San Muskoka, you could have a liberal candidate and you got to have a split that will favor the PC. So I'd be very careful to read too much into the second seat. Uh, I focus on getting almost close to double digits, I think would be more important. Uh, of course, get more funding. Uh, uh, for next time around, because they're not going to win. I mean, they're not going to win. There's no green wave. They're not winning 10 seats. They win maybe two, and they were hoping for a third in University of Rosedale, and you and I agree that it's, it, it's not going to happen. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that if they get the second seat, then it's a great election for them. If they come kind of close, and as you say, they get their vote up to 6 7%, uh, then I think that they can say this is a decent election for them. Because if you Go back to 2018. I think there was only four ridings uh, where they got more than 10%. That's right. And they weren't really close in any of them. But if after this one, they can point to, you know, we almost won Paris on Muskoka. We came uh, so, like really close second in, I don't know, Dufferin Caledon or something like that. Then so, there's the building blocks for next time. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think they, I, I think they'll be disappointed if they don't win the second because we're seriously talking about it. Um, but it's not a uh, it's not a win or lose for them. I think that I think they're going to come out pretty good out of the opposition parties, probably the one that might be the happiest. Uh, so let's go next. We'll we'll go in the order of the last election. So the liberals. To me, this well, one's the most challenging. Yeah, go ahead. One. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, they either end up with 12 seats, 15 seats, get official party status back. Uh, Del Duca doesn't win his riding if they only end up with a dozen seats or they end up with 30 some seats. Del Duca maybe squeaks in and, and can be the official opposition leader. And then it's a good election. And it means that they're the they're the favorites to win in 2026. Um, but that's a big gap for them. Uh, it is. It is. Personally, Del Duca needs to win, I think, because if he doesn't win, then I think it's really hard for him to stay oh, on. It's over. I mean, how many leaders lost their seat without losing and losing the election, of course, and stayed on? Not very many. I mean, this yeah. is a sign that when you lose your own seat, a seat that you used to have. Um, yeah. And for the liberals also, they're, they're almost non-existent when you get out of uh, southwestern Ontario, right? Yeah. That's a huge chunk of seats that you're not competitive in. So if you don't sweep Toronto and most of the 905, you know, so yes, I, I mostly agree with you here. Uh, the, I think a good election for the Liberals would be to finish second in seat. However, if they, they're just behind the NDP in seats, but beat them in a popular vote, it, it's not that bad. There's still a plan for four, four years from now when the PC, of course, the, the wear and tear of time will have an effect at some point on the PC vote. Um, they, you know, but if they if they win 13 seats, let's say, and are tied with the the, the NDP in votes, oof, that would be a, that would be the bad scenario for them, I think. Uh, yeah. They, uh, I would not be surprised if if they overperform by a point or two and win a dozen more seats because of. It. Yeah, the Liberals do a little bit better among older people um, than the you know than just they're a bit, they're a bit more uniform, so they seem to be yes. less impacted by turnout effects as the NDP will and the PCs probably will get bonus. Um, but yeah, for the Liberals, it feels like finishing second means they win in terms of their own sort of moral victory. Um, 
but yeah, for, for Del Duca, uh, uh, I think he has to win the seat. Um, yes. What happens if they finish second, but he doesn't win a seat, which could easily happen. I don't know what happens then. Who's going to resign to give him a seat. It's not going to be a safe seat. No, that can, no. They can resign. No, I mean, I mean, is, is it, I would say he's a trans, uh, transition leader. Uh, it's, I mean, it, I know it's very mean. If Mr. Dutka listens to this, why, why would he? But if he does, I'm sorry. I'm not, this is nothing personal, but it doesn't feel like a long-term leader for the, for the liberals. It means like a rebuild. Um, I would also add that if you remember, my friend, in, in our Dece- December show, we had an over-under uh, with the liberals. And I said the liberals were with official opposition and you said they wouldn't. So I really mm. want the liberals just to finish second so I can have one more point in this contest. Yes, I know. I am going to review what happens uh, <laughs> after this one. But uh, I feel on terror. I, I, we both, I remember we did badly. Well, no, I did badly with Jason Kenney. I said he'd get over 77%. Things changed a lot since. And they changed a lot the in the winter. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, NDP, uh, official opposition status, according to the party, 10 seats away from government. Um, what do you think? <laughs> And a surge also in the poll in their internal yeah. polls last week. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, yeah, they're at 30% allegedly. Okay. Um, yeah, for the NDP, I feel like this is, I don't feel like there's a good outcome here for them um, because they're going to lose seats. They might retain official opposition status, but if they retain official opposition status with 25 seats or something like that, uh, you know, they're back to their 24, 23% of the vote that they traditionally get in a half decent election. Uh, I just, I have a hard time seeing a result that makes the party happy with what happened. Well, the only result that would make them happy uh, is, would mean that the polls are all wrong. Uh, they would have to be close to 30%. If they win 27, 28, 29% of the vote and win 30 seats, uh, you know, Andrea Horvat could turn to her caucus and say, look, we, we did our best. We saved, uh, we saved the furniture, as we say in French. Uh, the expectations are that, so low, right? That maybe that's, that's maybe the they thing. can beat the expectations. Yeah, but that's, that's true. what the polls are saying. They, they, yeah. I mean, the polls would have to be wrong because we've seen some polls as low as twenty-one or twenty-two percent, which is below their uh, cruising altitude in, in the regular elections. So, uh, I, you know, again, if if I were them, I saw I, I saw Miss Orvat was in uh, Essex um, just the day before yesterday, and I was like, okay, but. You really should be in Hamilton and Kitchener and Niagara. I mean, you're probably going to lose Essex. You should play defense in more of your, uh, you know, traditional seats, I think. But, you know, perhaps I'm missing the numbers that they have, but their numbers that they leaked to the stars said that they were surging and clearly they're not. Uh, so p- perhaps they have bad data. Uh, I, uh, you know, also, or maybe, you're not- maybe they weren't being completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, you're so cynical. Um, uh, but yeah, the NDP, if they, I mean, the worst case scenario, of course, is they finish third. Uh, and I, even if Miss Horvat wins her riding, which she should, Hamilton Center, uh, yeah. she will have to do, you remove the Viber Caucus unless she does it herself. Um, so, official, as you said, official opposition, but with 25 or 26 seats, I don't think it's good enough. But the NDP, sometimes they don't have this killer instinct, especially at the federal level. I mean, mm. Tom Mulcair didn't have a second chance, but they're about to give a third chance to, third chance to Jagmeet Singh. So if the expectations are low enough, you could be happy. You know, that's the, the equation of happiness, expectations minus reality. Hmm. Uh, well, maybe they should teach us something all, just to be happier with their own <laughs> lot in life. Um, but yeah, but Andrew Horvath, she, you know, this, this is her fourth campaign. And even if she did pretty good, like, let's say she got 38 seats, you know, they more or less way beat their expectation, still official opposition status. Uh, I can't, she's been leader for 13 years. I can't imagine that she'd even want to stick around for another four years and, you know, hope to be premier after 17 years as NDP leader, uh, meaning that you have to be in the job for another for another eight years, you know, if you have like hopes. So anyway, so it does seem like this is probably her last campaign. Um, but yeah, I think that the NDP, I, for them, I think it's beat expectations. That's the best outcome for them, but, uh, it's hard to imagine much worse. Um, okay. The PCs, um, they seem to be the ones who having the best election, no one's bothering them too much, uh, including the media, Doug Ford's avoiding, avoiding them as much as he can. Um, you know, they have less support than last time, though. I won't be surprised if they beat their polls and end up 40% again. Um, 
I, I, I mean, for them, it, as long as they get 65, they're good. Right. Like, uh, cause 63, you get 63, 64, too close to, uh, you know, yeah. someone gets a cold and you, and you lose your majority, but for them, it feels like they can only have a good outcome. Uh, you know, if to if in the simplest of terms, Eric, uh, if you compare the numbers right now with 2018, the PCs have lost maybe two or three points to the right wing parties, the new parties, mm-hmm. and the NDP and the OLP are sharing this this the rest, right? Uh, and maybe a point or two more for the Greens. The PCs, I mean, I, I think they will end up roughly where they were in 2018. It's just that the, the votes, but as we said, if the Liberals underperform by a point or two. And the NDP is underperformed by a point or two. Uh, right now, my model shows that if the PC get to 40%, which is not that far from where they are, they're around yeah. 38. If they get 40%, we're talking super majority. We're talking 85 to 90 seats. Mm. And so uh, it's possible that they get more seats, perhaps double digit more seats with fewer votes. Uh, I guess this is going to frustrate a lot of uh, people who are in favor of electoral reform because it would be an F the first, first past the post moment. Um, it's not impossible. My model has is in the high 70s, low 80s in C. I would not be surprised if they win 85 to 90, uh, if they overperform their polls. Yeah, I have to agree with you. When you say it that way, If uh, I to me, 90 would be less surprising than 60. Um, yeah, so exactly. Because you look at even just the turnout advantages. They do so well among oh, yeah. older voters. And with the low turnout election, uh, when there's low turnout, it's usually younger people that drop more, right? Exactly. Uh, older exactly. voters still largely go out. You know, you can still count on 65, 70% of them. Um, so you expect the PCs to beat their polls. So it, it does, doesn't mean that will happen. It doesn't always happen that way, but it is a lot easier to imagine that. So, um, so what would be a bad outcome then? What do you think is one where the PCs get scared? Let's say they're in the uh, mid-60s and the Liberals get to 30, 35 seats. Then you know that in 2026, it's going to be a red-blue race. Mm. Uh, I don't think the PCs are afraid of the NDP at all because the NDP has a low ceiling in seats. And so in the best scenario for the PCs long-term would be, again, the Liberals are in the teens and uh, they're still searching for their soul. But if the Liberals are a strong opposition Ah, it sets the table for 2026. And I know we're getting far ahead of ourselves, but uh, the, 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 I mean, the PCs, unless the polls are really, really wrong, the PCs will win. Uh, and, you know, then Doug Ford gets uh, another four years. And uh, then after that, perhaps, what does that mean? That means that uh, Pierre Poilievre loses to Trudeau and then Doug Ford goes to the federal conservatives. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But <laughs> well, well, we'll keep it. We'll see how his French uh, improves. He, uh, he, he promised uh, François Legault. He promised François Legault, and they cheered a, on a beer uh, that he would improve his French. I, you know, I, it's it's hard to do that when you're working full time, but uh, we'll see if it's true. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, how about uh, just uh, briefly, any chance for a minority? I think my I I generally had it at fifteen percent or twenty yeah. percent chance. Uh, the latest number is it's down to about ten percent. Um, I have twelve percent, so same range. Yeah. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, for those asking, it's not the NDP that can create a minority for the PC. The NDP would have to win. It's Hamilton, Niagara, Windsor, of course, seats. But it's if the uh, the, the Ford uh, the PC drop a few points in NNL5 and the Liberals do better than expected, that's how you get to a minority. There is no path in which the Liberals still remain in their collapsed state and the PC go to a minority. Uh, so... Uh, if there's a minority, one chance out of eight, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it happens, uh, you know, let's say let's say 61 seat or something. Oh, then drama. You and I would have to do another podcast just to about, talk about the what ifs, because it would be very interesting. It's going to be a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? Because neither the NDP or the Liberals really want to get into a coalition. They don't want to. But if the Darfur wins 60 seats, they will have to. <laughs> <laughs> they will have to, otherwise they're, they're crucified by their own voters. Or they'll have uh, to swallow their own hat. Uh, I yeah. Guess. But like this campaign makes it feel like they're less willing to do that. They, they've, oh, yeah. they, they seem to hate each other more than they did four weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, that's... Just before, uh, just before we came on, a reader asked me on Twitter uh, if uh, there's a chance of uh, uh, Parti Québécois and Québec solidaire coalition. 
Uh, and in Ontario, me, probably very, not. In Ontario, probably not. But in Quebec, I said it's very similar actually to the Liberals and NDP because they have similarities between them. But there's so much animosity that I just don't see it happening. Who's going to blink first and no, tend a hand and say, how about we do a coalition? It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but the way the system is, uh, you know, the liberals don't want to share power with the NDP. They just don't. Yeah. And even, you know, we think about what happened federally. Uh, there seemed to be at least a little bit more personal uh, personal regard for between Justin Trudeau and Jagmeet Singh than we see That's lately true. between Andrew Horvath, Stephen Del Duca, uh, no who Stephen Del Duca recently accusing the NDP of being um, misogynist uh, for what they did to their female candidates. So, uh, you know, that's not, <sighs> not going to be easy to mend after the election. So anyway. <laughs> All right. So um, so we're both predicting big changes on election night, some sort of surprise. Uh, it'll be a long <laughs> night. Um, it's going to be a short night, I think. Ontario has the new way of counting votes. They did it in the last time. I think CBC was able to project the outcome in about 15 minutes. Um, wow. But you know what? There'll be lots to delve into in terms of the results. So it's not just about the call. It's about what happened in every riding. And uh, I think there'll still be a lot of interesting storylines to watch on election night. When does the vote counting start? Eight o'clock? Uh, nine o'clock. Nine o'clock. So nine fifteen ish. We should we should know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But stick around to find out what's going to happen to the leaders. Uh, the right. Greens. The Greens win a seat. Uh, there's going. I don't know. There's still. There's always something. It's not just about. There's who always wins. something. Not about just who Absolutely. wins. All right. Well, Philip, I really appreciate this. And um, on uh, if we prove to be wrong, I'll have you on next week, and we'll both apologize. Uh, but apart from that. Um, you know, it wasn't the best campaign, but you know what? This podcast was the best part of it. So thanks for oh. coming on. Merci beaucoup, Eric. I really appreciate that. And don't forget, everyone, there's a Quebec election. I challenge Eric to do both an English and a French podcast about the Quebec election. I hope you will accept my challenge because it will be a lot of fun. On verra. Okay, thanks for that. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. That was Philippe J. Fournier of 338canada.com. So this is a early episode of the Writ Podcast. I'm not sure if I'll be able to have another episode that'll go out uh, on Friday at the normal time after the Ontario election. I might be able to put something up, uh, but I can't make any promises about it. I'll be taking part in the CBC's Ontario election night special. So you can tune in on Thursday starting at 8 o'clock. We have a pre-election show and then during the show itself i'll be breaking down the results and uh it should be a lot of fun and i hope that you'll tune in and i hope that if you've enjoyed this podcast and if you've enjoyed the writ over the last few weeks that you'll consider a subscription to the site it's at thewrit.ca uh, your support means a lot to me and uh, i really hope that you'll consider a subscription if you are already a subscriber then of course thanks so much it's really appreciated your support over the last almost a year now that I've been doing this website and this podcast. So that'll be it for this week. Maybe we'll see. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, Eric Renia here and welcome to the, I don't know what episode this is. <laughs> I have to look it up. Hold on. <laughs>